Hello, and welcome to the Community Broadband Bits Podcast. I'm Lisa Gonzalez with the Institute for Local Self-Reliance. I also research and write for MutiNetworks.org. In our 14th episode, Christopher Mitchell interviews Bob Frankston. Bob has been involved in computer science and the telecommunications industry for over 50 years and is heavily involved in the telecommunications infrastructure policy debate. Bob has won numerous awards and is a champion in the drive to expand connectivity. Bob and Christopher talk about the essence of the Internet and how a simple change in perspective can open doors for communities seeking broadband self-reliance. Bob Frankston, thank you for joining us on the Community Broadband Bits podcast. Thank you for asking me. One of the things that I thought you could help us understand is when we talk about the Internet and we talk about our communications, um, our telecommunications, we often think about it in terms of going through a major corporation or through a local government. And you think about um, how we can connect using the Internet differently. Can you walk me through that? Any new technology is viewed in terms of the old. Uh, cars originally horseless carriages. You know, new trains switched to diesel. We had all the towers. People kept thinking of things the same way. Uh, so we t- our metaphors for the internet go back to the telegraph lines, which ran along the railroad tracks. And in fact, uh, the FCC was modeled under the Interstate Commerce Commission, as if everything was a telegram message units. There's another tradition that occurred totally independently when we just uh, we wanted to connect our computers. We just used whatever copper radio wires to exchange packets. And if a packet got lost, you retransmitted. There was no network as such. So in that, that's more like the sidewalk. You want to get someplace, you can walk, take, take a path. You don't even need sidewalks. They just make it easier. So the internet is really about the ability to exchange, convert everything to digital and exchange bits. You know, if you think back to the days of telegraph, you couldn't do that. You had to explain to somebody what the text was in a telegram and they can barely get that to work. Today, we can just preserve the message without having to explain what we want to say. Does that analogy work? Yes, I think so. There's one part about this that I think really struck a chord with me, and that's uh, when I think about it. Um, If I'm um, upstairs and I want to talk to my wife and she's downstairs and I'm feeling very lazy, you know, I use my cell phone, it goes and it pings a tower and runs through some fiber probably very far away, comes back to that tower, goes back through and connects to my wife downstairs. Now, if I understand correctly, that's primarily for billing reasons, right? Yes. I mean, we picture, again, take the sidewalk analogy. Picture we want to make this a sidewalk a, a service. We'd have to do a lot of work to prevent people from just walking. So if you have a network in your house that's IP, the packets don't even leave the house. And if you go to your neighbor's house, you know, why do, why do those packets have to? Uh, a matter of fact, I've got both Comcast and Verizon must have one experiment. Mm-hmm. And I once traced packets going two inches between my Comcast box and my Verizon box. They went from Boston to New York to Chicago and back again. Now, the positive, it's remarkable that that works. Right. But it also means we're creating all this legacy traffic as if you had to, you know, picture we had the railroad model uh, instead of sidewalks. You have to buy a ticket, go downtown and take a train back to visit your neighbor. Right. So we have to start thinking of the Internet. As I said, said earlier, we just use whatever facilities to exchange packets. But it's really the opportunity to become stakeholders. 
then instead of relying on a telegraph operator to carry our messages, we can just talk to each other locally. If we, you know, you think of a, of a tin can of strings, except we can just, you know, extend the strings ourselves electronically. We don't need somebody in the middle. Right. And once you understand that, all we need, you know, again, to continue the sidewalk analogy, is to hire somebody to basically help keep the bits flowing inside your house. And what I did at Microsoft, uh, the way I said now is I gave people control of the wires in the house so they can use it for networking, unlike the original plan where you'd have to pay each month for each PC. And to make the point even more, if you wanted an, an IP printer, which means an internet printer, which is commonly now, you can just put a printer on the network in your house and connect to it. Right. And we actually were just doing that yesterday in our office. Uh, uh, it's incredibly handy. You wouldn't have been able to do it. So let's let's just step back for a second for people who aren't aware. I learned about this in an interview you did with uh, Leo Laporte on the Twit Network, and basically, in the time when internet connections, we started getting broadband connections at the home. Uh, you were at Microsoft, and you introduced something into the router that uh, basically shielded those from outside the network from seeing what was happening inside it, so that there's no way that a uh, a broadband provider could know how many devices you were attaching. Yeah, that was actually a byproduct. I used an existing technology, network address translation. My real goal was to make things just work. So I made sure Windows came, I, I hate okay. to use the term, internet ready. Right. So that you just plugged it in, they connected. Uh, in order, And I avoided to asking the carriers for permission. All they were giving was one uh, address on the internet this network address translation technology so you can use that one address but connect all the devices in your house mm -hmm. but the real way to think about the by the way the hard part for me as i talk about this is language because we have a whole language which assumes that telecommunications service that there is a physical thing called the internet mm -hmm. and there is no the internet is the way we use the available facilities Right. We think of it, I think, as very deterministic. And reality is the Internet is sort of this – I think a cloud is probably the right analogy. And things can bounce around until they get where they're going. Am I missing? Am I not understanding well, it's, that correctly? Well, it's actually, it's actually much simpler than that. Okay. Because people's analogy you – know, at first, the word cloud is very confusing to people. What is okay. a cloud? You know, when it rains, is that a problem in the cloud? <laughs> And, you know, they worry about running out of the Internet as if because the Internet comes over wires just like electricity. Mm -hmm. But it's very different. We use the wires to exchange bits. It's sort of like you're worrying about running out of the letter E. OK, so think of the Internet as the alphabet. It's the way we use paper to communicate. It's not the paper itself. So and that's what makes it so hard to talk about, because you can't point to say that's the Internet. When you access the Internet, it's a shorthand for saying we reach connected something far away. We don't actually access the Internet. Okay. And, and all these words, one example I used in a talk I gave is Pandora is radio. So, you know, you th you're technical. So you think of the radio as a transmitter, as all the wires. But because, you know, almost a century ago, the business model of radio was broadcast model language you confuse the term so when i ask for radio now even at the consumer electronics show everybody gives me a radio station right it's hard to get to the technology so we have to sort of language gets in our way so i need to be very careful so the way i look at it is I, the term i use is about radical simplicity so if you wanted to basically connect uh 
your light switch to a light fixture right now, if you want to change that, you have to call an electrician, punch holes in the wall, run a wire. Mm-hmm. But you know, right now I can buy a light bulb, which has a radio in it, $30, buy just a switch. And all I do is I say, that switch sends a message to the light bulb. Light bulb. I don't, and I could ch- then change the rules. It's much simpler. I don't have anything, you know, complicated to do. It's that radical simplicity. Now, imagine you take that switch now, you put it in your pocket, you fly to China, it'll still turn on the same light. Mm-hmm. That's the theory. The problem is the internet we have it now is still the prototype. And unfortunately, one of the byproducts of give, isolating the home is you can't, in, with the current protocols, you can't get to that light bulb. And then people say, that's a feature. No, that's a bug. You need, in other words, I need to decide whether you're allowed to get to the light bulb, but you you don't want to say you have no choice. And a good example of it I like is the, in, the internet technologies, want to be careful, allows it to do remarkable things. If you ever watch a recent nature show, you'll see the lions in the Serengeti have collars now. Right. They Each one has a cellular phone account and a GPS. <laughs> it's remarkable. But the Maasai warriors in the same area can't connect their cows. Mm-hmm. because of the billing problems technically there's no problem but because of the funding model the business model they're not stakeholders the internet and the cellular all exist to, to uh, take money and give it to shareholders so by being a stakeholder in the community by owning it you now have to do simple things so imagine if farmers contract cows I mean, it won't be romantic. Could you imagine the, the New West and you know, the cowboys are all around the fire looking at the tablets, tracking the cows? <laughs> right. Well, I think they'd want to track the lions maybe to know where exactly where they well, were. No, <laughs> no they're the wolves, actually, if we're, oh, if we're okay. taking the U.S. <laughs> right, right. But, uh, yeah, but on the other hand, I, every, working farmers, I'm sure, would really appreciate knowing where the cows are. Right. And that's remarkably easy to do if – they own the stakeholders, they own the infrastructure. It's very hard to do with the shareholders. So that's why it's about the money, not in any evil sense, but if we choose to fund it and own it and like we own our sidewalks, we enable things. If we choose to treat it like the railroad of the robber baron days, then we're beholden to shareholders and we can only do things that benefit them, not what benefits us. I've been thinking about this, and we've talked about this in the past, and and it seems to me that we would not expect corporations to take on this model. It depends on the corporations. Okay. There are a lot. There are lots. There are lots of corporations take over the sidewalk fundamental. You can hire people; they'll be glad to work for you and pay the sidewalks. So it's not whether it's a corporation. It's not whether it's public or private. It's who are the stakeholders. So if a city, you know, it doesn't really own the sidewalk; it's just part of the city, but. But people get together either through, say, a local cooperative or through a city government to hire people to do the pavement. Right. So it's still a business model. It's just one that aligns incentives. With no sort of proven funding model, we're not seeing, I think, a lot of interests from particular existing telecommunications carriers who don't want to cannibalize their model. Um, we see local governments that are very risk averse, who only want to do something that is going to have a proven benefit and not get any elected officials in trouble. Um, and so I'm curious, you know, here I am in a neighborhood. Um, would would it make sense for us to figure out a way of connecting a number of our houses together and then maybe having multiple internet connections to the wider world that just sort of however we get off of our own local network, we do? Is that is that a first step? Yes, it makes a lot of sense. The key 
I argue, is you need to get rid of all the need to authenticate, uh, not just not just a billing issue, our, our security model. Once you have to start authenticating everything, things become complicated. Now, I understand that a lot of there's some security issues. You still might want some protected systems, but overall, what you need to do is get dense geographic coverage. In other words, forget everybody thinks the internet is about reaching things very far away. It's really about connecting things locally, like within a farm or among farms. You know, imagine you can subscribe to a service that can say monitor crops for you or something. Right. So you want to be able to then own the connectivity locally. So you can do it many ways. Sort of simplest way is to have sort of a co-op and, you know, scenario you have apartment houses, maybe you can do it in the building and you all pull your resources and you buy a common connection. Mm-hmm. And you get remarkable economies of scale. So that's that's a very smooth model. It starts to expand out. And you're right. Cities are going to be risk averse for many reasons. But it's re- but remember, cities, especially small ones, are just the people. This is a positive sense of being right. <laughs> Not, you know, and if enough citizens realize, just like sewers, at some point, you know, you start out with cesspools. Mm-hmm. At some point, everybody gets together, you know, we should get sewers. So it's going to be a data process. If somebody just came in, you know, from out of town and said, you should all have sewers, it'll be rejected. Why do we need that? But at some point, houses get dense enough, and then you switch the model. So, you, so you're right. You start out very locally. You own your common connectivity. You can, you, one, one way to do it is to pool your resources. Uh, you can also share connection. I mean, if you really want to, if it's about saving money, you can get access points like the one I have, which allow five different local networks as well as open access. Mm-hmm. So there are many ways... Uh, to start locally among friends, and you know, especially if you have a, you know a few geeks in the community, uh, you know, who can take care of it. The problem is a lot of geeks are still waiting to the old model. They sort of we're taught this is the way it's done. Right. But we're in a situation. It's as if the plumber is running the kitchen. Well, I think I think a lot of people are worried about reliability. I think they're afraid that if they just go around and set up a few things, it's not going to be as good as if you have sort of union labor and a, and, a, and a call center and all of these other um, components that go with the networks we're used to. Well, that's going to start start to happen. You, you, but it's like sidewalk. You decide how much effort you want to put in maintaining it. So uh, there are people, companies, I mean, remember, corporations all have their internal networks. They hire people to do it. You can hire those same people to give you local connectivity. And if you're worried, you don't have to get rid of the old, uh, you know, bone wires, whatever, right mm-hmm. away. You can, you can, you know, trans- you can be cautious if you want to. Uh, but remember, the phone network is not all that reliable. We tend to ignore the failures because we don't expect, like the 9-11 emergency. Mm-hmm. You cut one wire, the emergency system is out. Right. It's 100% reliable until it gets 0% reliable. <laughs> and, and you know, same way, remember when early cell phones were very staticky and everything? Yeah, well, we we still have job calls regularly. Well, we do. It's not as often, but they were so valuable, we worked around them. So if you could deal with failures you know it's like a farmer i'm not going to do this unless you guarantee there are going to be no storms right the more you're resilient the more opportunity you can get i mean skype is a great example um with skype because they make no promises if video works you can use it we're on video now right if listeners don't know that i'm staring you 
Uh, but the regular phone network can't do it because they can't promise anything. So they got to limit you strictly in mm. order to only do what they can promise. Well, not just that, but we actually, we often prefer Skype because the quality is so much higher than we get over the telephone lines. It can be. And if sometimes there'll be a glitch. And, you know, right. if you can live with that once in a while, you get enormous benefit. If you put all your money, if, you know, if you're really worried about the future, what if you put all your income into insurance? You'll starve. <laughs> you know, remember the downside is not not that bad. You know, in, I mean, even cable goes out. Right. And I, I've heard rumors there have been people who survived without TV for an evening. <laughs> not on not on football days, but yes. <laughs> well, yes. <laughs> so if you really care about football, you get a backup system. You get a satellite plus cable plus the internet just to be safe. Right, and you have to live within a block of a bar. Right. Or else you just drive to the game. Well, you might not even make it to the game. That's really driving to the game is really dangerous. <laughs> well, I think this has been very helpful. Um, you, I'm gonna, we'll put in our in our notes um, and in the show the link to your site where you've given a lot of talks, you've given a lot of papers. Um, but I think that fundamentally, what the first thing that needs to happen is that people need to understand that the internet is somewhat of a, a chaotic environment. It's not nearly as controlled as we exist, as we imagine, and that we can make investments that will work very well because of that. Let, let me put it simply. Everything is chaotic. We, we, we just see the illusion. Amazing what you can do with a coat of paint to make everything smooth. <laughs> but the real idea, the internet is what we, we do. The internet is created by what we do. And that's what's important. We're in a stage, I mean, the early days, we just did it ourselves as kids in school and, and things. It's become neatly packaged and it looks really fancy, but ultimately it's the very simplest thing. And we have to sort of see past all the hype to recognize the internet is actually very simple and it's something people can understand and do themselves. And if they're worried, it's sort of like your home network, People, when I started doing 1995, nobody believed people can operate their home network. Right. But most people do it. And, you know, if it's a problem, you can ask your friend, you can call Geek Squad, you can get help. But most people these days just put a Wi-Fi box and they're connected. That is the Internet. That's the illusion. That is more the Internet than going out to a website far away. I really appreciate our conversation, and I uh, I would like to have you back on in the future to to follow up a little bit more. I think we just need to keep reintroducing people to these ideas until they they start to grasp what's really possible because of our modern technology. Yeah, and I'm very interested in the question your listeners have. Okay. Well, thank you so much. Okay, glad to talk to you. <laughs> Take care. That was Christopher and Bob Frankston. You can find Bob's website at frankston.com. At his website, Bob shares his expertise and his extensive library of articles and commentary. If you have any questions or comments, please send us a note. Email us at podcast at muninetworks.org. Our handle on Twitter is at communitynets. This show was released on September 26, 2012. Thanks to Fit and the Conniptions for the music licensed using Creative Commons. The song is called Spellbound. Spellbound.